In the distance, a siren blared. It was barely audible at first, and then, as the procession moved up Greymont Avenue and toward Birmingham's massive Legion Field, the unmistakable sound of several different high-pitched police horns overlapped in a deafening chorus. The jarring wail cut through the huge throng like a royal fanfare as Bill Graham squeezed his son's shoulders and smiled broadly. Look, Graham said to his boy, pointing to the buses and state police cars being waved around the stalled traffic prior to the 1966 Alabama-Auburn football game. Here they come. It was like Christmas morning for the eleven-year-old Bruce Graham, and he could barely contain his excitement. Every day, back in his hometown of Phil Campbell, a small community in northwest Alabama, Bruce devoured the sports pages of the Birmingham News for information about his beloved Crimson Tide. In fact, this was how the precocious son of Bill and Nell Graham had learned to read. On Saturdays, he listened to the Alabama games on the radio and tried to imagine what Denny's Stadium and Legion Field and all those other mystical places really looked like. On Sundays, he planted himself in front of his family's black-and-white console television and soaked up every moment of the Bear Bryant show, which provided him with a rare glimpse at the heroes who filled him with so much pride in calling Alabama home. But it was his dream to see a game in person, just once. Understanding this, his uncle Dwight had taken great delight in going to the expense and trouble of procuring two tickets to the state's biggest sporting event— no small feat in a year when the Crimson Tide was bidding for an unprecedented third consecutive national championship. Going to that game was the biggest thing that had ever happened to me at that point in my life, Graham recalled many years later. I can't adequately describe what it meant. It just meant everything. After bolting out of bed before dawn and putting on their best Sunday clothes, including coats and ties, Bruce and his father, a middle-aged educator at a local college, had spent more than two hours on the road, traversing the two-lane highways of northern Alabama in their 1964 Chevrolet station wagon, bound for the Magic City, the self-proclaimed football capital of the South. They stopped only to buy some takeout fried chicken for later. By the time the buses finally pulled up next to the stadium and the sirens abruptly stopped, a crowd of several thousand fans surrounded the Bama players and coaches as they disembarked in the misty rain. Strategically positioned between the buses and the fence to the stadium, Bruce, small for his age, struggled to catch a glimpse of his favorite players, whose pictures he had studied closely in the paper. Too short to see over the mob, too big for his daddy to hold up, he started maneuvering to peer through and around the legs of the men around him. I couldn't go high, so I decided to go low, he recalled. Looking up from this vantage point, he spotted offensive lineman Cecil Doughty, then quarterback Kenny Stabler, and receiver Dennis Homan. Dressed in matching crimson blazers, wearing expressions of serious contemplation, the entire travel squad walked through the crowd and toward their nearby locker room with an air of unmistakable confidence, not saying a word. They all looked like giants to me, Graham said. I remember thinking, I sure would like to get me one of those red jackets for Sunday, and so many of them seemed to have flat tops, which made a real impression on me. Eventually, while staring up from around some taller person's ankles, he glimpsed for the first time in the flesh the towering figure of Paul Bear Bryant, the larger-than-life coach who had built the Crimson Tide 
into the most dominant football program in the land. I couldn't believe I was actually getting to see Coach Bryant up close, Graham said. It was a pretty overwhelming experience. Like the diminutive Graham, the vast majority of Alabamians looked up to those young men and their legendary coach, because in 1966, the Crimson Tide was more than a football team. It was also a mirror and a shield, a source of inspiration and validation. After watching Alabama crush arch-rival Auburn 34-0 from their end-zone seats and gathering up as many discarded crimson and white shakers as he could carry, Graham and his father drove into the night, into a seemingly endless incandescent trail of headlights and brake lights. While negotiating the stop-and-go traffic, the pilgrims from Phil Campbell marveled at the toughness of the Bama defense, the masterful performance of Kenny Stabler, the speed and hands of Ray Perkins. Before long, they were home. The next day at church and the day after that at school, all the kids wanted to know, what was it really like? It all seemed so big, he explained breathlessly, first once and then again and again. I couldn't believe that the field was only a hundred yards, because it seemed so much longer than our field back home. How close did you get to Coach Bryant? demanded his good friend Eddie Glasgow. You think he saw you? Even his fifth-grade teacher, Mrs. Bragwell, was curious. She asked him to make a presentation to the class, in which he displayed one of those shakers and a game program, which he had already read cover to cover at least a dozen times, like artifacts from a distant land. Later that week, Bruce begged his daddy to take him to the barber so he could get a flat top.